This is Rob Goldstone, editor of Current Directions in Psychological Science. Our guest today is Dr. Anne Warlamont, professor in the Department of Communication at University of California, Los Angeles. She is the author of the recently published article, Daylong Mobile Audio Recordings Reveal Multi-Scale Dynamics in Infants, Vocalization Productions, and Auditory Experiences. Thank you very much for being here, Anne. Thank you for having me. So to start our conversation off concretely, can you describe what a LENA system is and what kinds of research it has enabled developmental psychologists such as yourself to conduct? Yeah, of course. Um, the LENA system is a system that is uh, provided for sale by the, an organization by the same name. Um, it originally, LENA stands for Language Environment Analysis, and it consists of an audio recorder that uh, has one microphone on it, and it can record up to 16 hours of continuous audio, and it's a small and lightweight device, um, pretty simple. It just has a button to turn it on and a button to um, start and pause recording. Um, the system also includes clothing that holds this audio recorder on a child or a baby, and uh, that clothing is designed to minimize to the extent that it's possible, rustling and uh, those kinds of artifacts. And the Lena system also contains software to automatically tag various types of sounds that occur in um, these audio recordings that you can collect from an infant who is wearing the recorder. And those tags include the infant who's wearing the recorder or the child who's wearing the recorder, uh, female adults, male adults, other children, electronic sounds um, such as TV or radio, and um, other sound uh, noise sound sources and silent and an overlap between humans and other speakers. Um, so, and it also counts conversational turns between child, children and adults and uh, attempts to estimate adult word counts. And it was primarily developed for use as a clinical tool um, for intervention purposes, but researchers have found many ways to use this. And from my perspective, there's three main advantages. Um, I'm mainly interested in infant vocal learning as my, my primary research topic. And one reason I like Lena is because we can get rare events. So infants aren't vocalizing all day and they don't necessarily vocalize on demand in the lab. So we can get a really much better sample by uh, going with day long home recordings. Um, and the recordings are also very ecologically valid. Uh, we get a sample of what it's really like in an infant's real day in the in the real world. And um, the 16 hours gives us also a long time series. So we can look at um, the data in certain ways, the dynamics of infant vocalization and infant adult interaction in ways that we can't when we just have shorter time series. Can you give an example from your own work of what the Selena system has let you find out? about kinds of sounds that are typically in a baby's environment and maybe how they're distributed? Yeah. Um, well, they infants hear a, a lot of different type sounds, types of sounds. So they hear the sounds that they make themselves. And um, they also hear speech from adults. And in the real world, that can be from a number of different types of individuals. So mothers are very common, but uh, for some infants, fathers are making up a lot of infants input or siblings or grandparents and other caregivers, um, pets also. So one thing that we find is just a lot of diversity in, across infants um, and also across times of the day in terms of the sounds that we hear. 
And there's also a lot of background noise that these recorders pick up. Um, and those might include things like running water, um, objects clinging, traffic, cars, um, things like that, that you won't necessarily observe in the lab. Um, in terms of how things are distributed, one thing that uh, we have been documenting is the tendency for events to occur in clusters within clusters. So um, infant vocalizations tend to occur, there will be some hours of the day that are more vocal than the other hours. And then within an hour, there will be five minute periods that are more vocal than other five minute periods. And even within a five minute period, there will be um, infant might vocalize in a burst and then be silent for a little while. So um, that's something that we are able to document with this. My co-author on the current directions piece, uh, Caitlin Fausti has uh, shown with her collaborator, Jenny Mendoza, that the tunes, that musical tunes that infants experience over the day are um, distributed in interesting non-even or uneven ways. So there are some tu musical tunes that infants experience, a few of them that they typically experience um, in large quantity, and then uh, a number of other tunes that they might hear just for short, short snippets. Given what you've just said about how vocalizations are distributed in a possibly fractal way, uh, do we end up with any clues about what language learning involves for a baby? Um, like how is learning easier or harder for a baby compared to what it would be like if they were learning language in a controlled laboratory with say purely randomized sentences? Yeah, um, here I'm going to be a little bit more speculative, speculative because we're starting to think about hypotheses along these lines, but haven't really tested them yet. Um, but yeah, Caitlin and I were talking about uh, the possibility that the uneven distribution um, of musical tunes could, could be beneficial from the standpoint of really learning deeply the tunes that are frequently experienced, but then also getting enough experience with other tunes to be able to generalize uh, some of that musical knowledge. Um, on the vocal production side, I do think that the tendency to cluster vocalizations could have benefits in terms of um, when the infant's making a, a sort of capitalizing on the, if an infant has just made a sound that maybe is not something that's in their repertoire, if they can then practice that. Um, and capitalize on the state that they're in that was able to generate that novel sound in the first place, I think that that might be something that's beneficial for learning. But yeah, we have more work to do, kind of draw those connections. Following up on what you just said about how the baby may be responding to their own productions that they're trying to make, from a traditional linguistics perspective, one might get the impression that babies learn language simply by being exposed to utterances that are examples sampled from a language and using those positive examples to infer the specific parameters of the underlying grammar for the language. And by contrast, it seems like your work emphasizes babies as actively interacting with their environment. So can you describe the evidence supporting this kind of interactive account and the difference that it makes for language learning? Yeah, yeah. I think that there's um, two ways that, or two things I could say here. One is that um, 
there's a, a lot of evidence going back way before Lena um, that infants engage, infants and their caregivers engage in proto conversations from early months of life, and that those uh, are related to language development and important for infant development. And there's um, also been some really nice experimental work. I'm thinking especially of Mike Goldstein and Jen Schwade in their lab. Um, showing how you can experimentally manipulate the responsiveness of a caregiver and that infants seem to um, be more able to learn from adult input that is time to occur immediately following an infant vocalization. So some of the work that I've been doing has been kind of extending that to the real world Lena recordings and trying to show how much that happens in the real world and, and draw that connection. Um, so I think, yeah, there's there's good evidence of this interactive stuff being important. Um, but also one thing that Lena recordings are showing us and Kim Aller has published some recent work along these lines as well, um, is that you know infants sometimes vocalize when they are not interacting with an adult. And um, in fact, they actually seem to do quite a lot of vocal practice and vocal play when they're on their own. And um, that might be very important for incorporating, for, for learning how to control the motor system, but also learning how to produce the things that one hears. So, so, so what do you think in the future? Uh, what can we expect by way of technical advances for analyzing how children learn in the kind of natural context that you're studying, like the home or a classroom? Yeah, there are already some researchers who are combining Lena or putting Lena's on, on multiple children in a classroom as well as using location um, sensing together. So uh, that's exciting. But you know, I think the more we can also get other channels, especially uh, video information so we can get visual and tactile um, or information about visual and tactile experiences of infants as they're hearing things at the same day long scale that will be, you know, help us advance things. Um, and also there's a lot of work that can be done to improve the, the detail that we're able to get on infant vocalizations and on the sounds that they hear from other sources um, automatically so that we can process our data at a large scale, but with the detail that we really want. So your article, as you know, appears as part of a special issue of current directions in psychological science um, called Well-Measured Lives, which is about how all of our lives are being measured more often, more elaborately, more extensively than ever before. And what are the implications of that for human performance, well-being, motivation, our identities? So given that uh, special issue context, I'm wondering how you feel about the apparent trend for our lives to be increasingly driven by measurements and by metrics. Do you think it's good, bad, uh, Facebook status, it's complicated? Uh, what should we be keeping in mind going forward as a society? I'm definitely going to go with it's complicated. Um, I've been talking about the Lena system, and I think that it has the potential to do, uh, or, or similar systems, which you know involve audio recording and, and children and language, um, things like that. I think it has the potential to help actually be a a, a, a a source <laughs> that can counter some of the other distractions that we have in our daily lives, um, especially so parents who are on their phones, uh, on their computers, uh, households where there are screens going all the time. I think that the Lena system has the potential to help 
um, motivate people to sort of turn off those devices and um, engage in you know vocal interaction with each other in a way that's less um, less distracted or less noisy. But um, yeah, and one of my uh, my other co-author on the current directions piece, uh, Kunmi Sobawale, he's um, actually a pediatric psychiatrist, and he's interested in the potential for these kinds of technologies, not necessarily Lena specifically, to help um, new mothers uh, who might need help being identified for depression and help kind of navigating that and coping with that. So I think there are reasons to be hopeful, but um, also lots of reasons to be careful and wary. So uh, this kind of system could be discouraging um, to parents who feel like they're already doing as much as they can and don't necessarily need another thing <laughs> to feel guilty about um, or to work around. But um, you know, it can also potentially interfere with the naturalness of an interaction. If you're trying to just increase your word count, that's not necessarily the best thing to have a rich interaction with your child um, all the time and for all families. And um, there are also been people who have argued that from a neurodiversity standpoint, um, having the goal to always increase child vocalizations and increase conversational turn uh, might not appreciate individual differences in talkativeness and um, different ways that people communicate best with each other. So I think, um, yeah, I could go on actually on this topic, but we don't have to necessarily. Okay, great. Thanks for that great answer. I, I, I appreciate the thoughtfulness behind it. Um, that's all the time we have for our conversation with Anne Warlamont. Thank you very much, Anne, for the, the stimulating conversation. <laughs> Thank you for having me.